we get more and more familiar with the condition of the heart, the mind. The Buddha makes uh, an analogy to the practice, um, compares, I don't want to say us, but it's like uh, when a hen sits on her eggs. And if she covers them and incubates them and nurtures them properly, then in due course, um, from the heat of her body and from the nutrient with which the little egg has uh, in it, then eventually the little chicks break through the shell with their claws and they come out. Um, And even if she were to wish that, oh, may my chicks not break out of their shells with their little claws and their beaks, may they not come out. If If she does incubate them, cover them, nurture them properly, in due course, they must. That's the nature. And if she were to wish that they did and hurry up, come on, I'm tired of sitting here, (laughs) then um, that doesn't bring them out. It's a very apt metaphor to overstriving or to wishing that this would just happen and we could have the results we want. But there's a shell, an encrustation of years and years of conditioning. And we have to let the conditions ripen, just like the fruit on a tree or the, f- the flower blooming in a garden. We can't force it. And when we apply the right ingredients, uh, any of you have been in the kitchen cooking or you know what it is to make a soup, you put in certain ingredients and then you stir and heat it up, etc., And eventually you will cook a wonderful soup. Or the little chicks will come out of their shells and grow up to be (coughs) adults. And so this is a, a maturation process. It's a ripening process. And nature is wise. So we have that wisdom within us. If we're circumspect, if we, there are actually four ingredients that we can put into our practice which will bring forth with the right conditions, the right incubation. Think of that white garment that we're uh, creating little by little through practicing with right uh, effort, right mindfulness, and right focus, right stilling, calming the mind, calming the fabrications. So chanda, is one of those ingredients. It's a zeal for the practice. It's an enthusiasm. It's a, ki- a kind of desire that is wholesome. And it, it brings about a wholesome result. So chanda means that we, we trust this. We trust this practice and we, we want to do it with all our hearts. Not just, you know, from that place of... Um, controlling or expectation uh, or, or wanting points, wanting to score, wanting to live up to some standard or be a success. 
but in a worldly way. Here it's more a surrender to a natural process which respectfully and carefully, caringly done with the, in the proper way will su- surprise us with the beauty that comes forth, the, the wonder, the light. It's like when you polish uh, brass. Uh, I remember once somebody telling me when I was suggesting that we polish this uh, brass vase that was in one of the monasteries I was staying in. And they said, I like it tarnished because it has, it's taken years for it to get like that. And I, I couldn't, I didn't have the wherewithal to answer quickly. But I, I think, you know, if we just sat back and said, well, it's taken me years to get this diluted. <laughs> this, this is not, this doesn't help. Like, let me hang on to my delusion. I've worked so hard. <laughs> but when, when we polish that, that brass thing that looks worthless, you know, to people who like shiny objects. It's not for that. It's just to bring back its original state and, and let it shine. And then it, it, when you put it on the, on the shrine and put flowers on it, it's more lovely. Of course, that's just perception and it's a material perception. But in terms of the mind, think of how if you're polishing a mirror, when the mirror has fingerprints, I'm very fussy in the monastery about um, cleaning the windows. Especially when the sun comes out, you see all the poo that the insects have left. And no, we don't want to collect it. And so we, we clean the windows and then we can see through. The sun comes in and it, we don't need even light bulbs most of the day because it's quite a a small house, but there are big windows. So if you polish them, the light comes through. And if we polish the mind, then the light comes through. It's a beautiful light. It's the light of the Dhamma. And then we can see what we've been holding, or we see what we're still holding, or we see what we've let go of. And that brings more light. It brings a happiness. It brings contentment. It brings first uh, elation and that settles down and then it becomes more and more quiet and the more that the light comes in and the hindrances, the shackles, the bonds, the our enslavement to all that falls away and we, we have more and more energy with which to work to sustain that, to prevent the, the uh, blemishes from developing again to protect that beautiful space so that from it we can work towards a, a full awakening, fuller, more gray, gradual, deeper and deeper grades or levels of awakening. But that takes tremendous courage and persistence, perseverance, and that's the second ingredient beyond just trusting this and desiring it and wishing it. Like the hen, she could wish all she wants, but if she doesn't sit there and incubate those little eggs, they won't hatch. 
Oh, I feel like going for a walk in, in the forest. And let the eggs do their thing. But no, sit on them. And sit. But it's not the length of time. It's the many different ingredients. It's the right attention, the right focus, the right uh, care for, for this work, that we really care for it, and we don't let the mind get distracted or overwhelmed by the old habits and old mental patterns. So to persevere through the difficulty of dismantling the structures that we've created ourselves, letting them go, and really giving ourselves, surrendering ourselves more and more fully to this work, precious work that we're doing. So that's a, a heroic kind of energy. And it, it, it needs to be balanced as well, because we cannot force these conditions into ripening. And then the third thing is goes along with both of those. This is taking care of the mind by focusing. And the focus means we take one area, the, the breath, whether it's the whole body or the breath in a particular place or wherever the mind feels at home with the breath. Don't get too um, judgmental about that or caught up with getting it right but trust that your breath will know and let go the thinking mind, the analytical mind, and focus the heart completely, the attention appropriately in that way and follow the instructions. Again and again, repeatedly watching boredom. If we get bored, then that's one of the things that we need to polish away or incubate away. You know, just observing it and letting it go, seeing, oh, I know that. No, no, that doesn't belong here. And then coming back to the clearing out the space so that the light from within can be seen, can glow, can guide us. It's so attractive that it actually gladdens us when we see it. We, we feel a natural happiness. Then the fourth thing um, is to be circumspect. The Pali word is vimangsa. And in all of these um, particular areas, what we're doing is concentrating our energy, concentrating our interest, concentrating our effort, concentrating the factors of, the, of our attention, sati sampajanya, mindfulness and a wise knowing of what direction to work in. So we're circumspect. We adjust, like when you're driving. You adjust your vehicle. And this is the samadhi. Is it, it becomes our vehicle. We are on the path. It's the vehicle of the Eightfold Noble Path. It's a, a noble vehicle, like a noble chariot. So it takes a particular kind of steering, that we have to do and keep it very single purpose. The one-pointedness, the going towards unity happens because our purpose is very singular. It goes in one direction. Not, oh well, just 
a little meander off this way, then the incubation doesn't happen because we're taking too many side roads, just one direction. And then we see what are the, what causes, what brings about that light, what brings the joy forth, what makes us feel at home, what brings the heart to its natural place of refreshment and rest. A true, a pure contentment. And then if what's, what we're experiencing or what we're seeing is not contributing to that, then we let it go. We show it the exit. And we only do that, not forcefully, by, but just by returning our attention properly to the ripening process, the maturing process. So we let go what zaps us from that strength that we need. What saps us. But it does zap us too. So we, we return to the right effort, right mindfulness, and right way of using our mental focus, men- mental energy, calming, stilling the fabrications, and seeing the result. If the result is working, we continue in that way, and if it doesn't, we make adjustment. And don't, don't be too eager to adjust, and give things their time to ripen. So the word that I haven't used enough is patience. Patience, the Buddha says, especially for us monastics, in the Ovada for us, it's patience is the highest austerity. I think that goes for all of us. We're all, the monastic means a single purpose, one. It's a lonely, alone work. It's not social. We have, this is an austerity, is to give up the companionship with others to do this work in the heart. And then what we find is that we cultivate that which is more, it brings more of a friendship with truth, with our Buddha nature, that we never feel lonely. So there's a purpose for this seclusion. And it's following along with the singularity of our intention to bring about this result. So therefore, it is such a noble endeavor that we, we, we are assured of success if we can work in this way. It's not a worldly success, again. It's the joy and peace that we all long for, that the world has failed to give us after whatever many decades we've been, or lifetimes we've been trying. So let's get on with it. <laughs>